Snowman Podcast. Welcome back to the Snowman Podcast. I'm your host as always, the Snowman. Well, boy, howdy, folks. Have we had a heck of a year so far. It's been a while since I've done an overview of the current events that have been happening in our country, and today I'll be sharing my views on what has taken place since I last did it back in April. Probably the biggest news items to flood our everyday lives has been COVID, naturally, kids going back to school masked or unmasked, trans everything making my stomach literally turn, gender nonsense as in the stuff circulating on that ticky tacky app, and the disastrous, I mean the literal, meltdown of the Afghanistan withdrawal and the tyrannical administration of Plugs Biden. And don't worry, we'll also be discussing the patron saint of Wuhan, the ever flip-flopping Dr. Fauci. A lot of stuff to cover, so let's just jump right on in. So last fall, kids went back to school virtually. Everyone was on Zoom trying to make do the best they could. We could go into various arguments saying it was safe or unsafe for kids to have returned to school, but that's in the past now and we can do nothing to change it. Besides pre-K through 12, college kids were also doing virtual learning, but that's nothing terribly new for them given the fact that online learning has been a thing for colleges for many years now. I just didn't want to exclude them from the group of students. But for the grade schoolers through high school, all of them, well, from what I've learned from the kids that I've talked to, and I talked to kids across both demographics, all of them pretty much hated it. And it was proven across the board how terrible it was for kids and parents. Kids have an attention span the length of Well, you parents know your kids the best, so you insert whatever metaphor you prefer. (laughs) But it was terrible. Kids I know kept on telling me how hard school was, to stay focused, how much they missed seeing their friends, how difficult it was to keep their grades up, and they performed studies to analyze this as well. And reading from the MHA, Mental Health of America website, mhnational.org, The State of Mental Health in America 2021. The stats that they reported are not good. Young mental health is worsening, according to their research. 9.7% of youth in the U.S. have severe major depression, compared to 9.2% in last year's data set. That is terrifying news. To think that almost 10% of the kids in the U.S. have major depression? What, what, what's going on? Why is this so prevalent in our schools today? Why? I'll tell you why. There are so many different reasons, but some of the biggest reasons? Social media. Social media is a terrible thing for kids. I'm just going to flat out say it. Social media is awful it's a cesspool and i'm not the only one who says that people from both sides of the aisle despise social media 
but we still use it. I don't have an answer for that at all, so I'm not going to be able to say too much more than that. But the other thing is they are destroying every single thing that kids need to learn about. Kids, kids have such a huge thirst for knowledge. But instead of teaching them things worthwhile, we're dumbing it down, making it miserable for them. Common Core is one of the worst things that could have ever been placed into our schools. And the destruction of teaching history and now forcing kids to accept things that their families have told them is not okay. All of these things add up. And then when you throw in that they can't be around their friends anymore, and if they do go and see their friends, they're risking each other's lives, it, it, it skyrockets the depression. So what do they do? They stay on social media all day long. They don't read books. They don't go outside and play. This adds up and it destroys kids. Now, I don't have kids, so I'm shooting from the hip a little bit here. But I know from my childhood... I love playing outside. It was fun. I had a huge imagination. Either that or I was playing with G.I. Joes. For hours, literally. You can ask my family. Hours. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is, do they expect any different? Do they expect this news to be good when they do all that? They're like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't good. How do we fix this? How about stop teaching critical race theory? Stop teaching Common Core, get kids back into school unmasked, allowed to be with their friends, allowed to do whatever the heck they want, providing their parents are okay with it. Always check with the parents' kids. Make sure that they're okay so you don't get in trouble. (laughs) But all of this adds up. And so when they tacked on virtual learning, Kids just had threw up their hands and had enough. And parents, to some extent, agreed or disagreed. It depended on each individual student. So I heard of so many kids getting homeschooled during last spring. And I was I, I loved that stat because I was homeschooled my whole life. And I think it's great to be taught at home. But families might have some stuff that doesn't allow them to do homeschooling. It's... A Demo- it's I don't know how to say it really, but there is that issue of some families just aren't able to do that. All that being said, when you throw all of that stuff in plus virtual learning, kids were leaving it in droves. I mean droves. The forcing of critical race theory, gender dysphoria, sex ed way too early and from the wrong people. They just threw up their hands and said, I'm done and walked away, walking away from their education because they weren't being educated anymore. They were being indoctrinized. Now, you may disagree with me on this, and that's your right. But I'm just saying from my point of view, they were being indoctrinized, not educated. And it got worse in many ways. You see, schools started being found out parents started seeing what the schools were teaching and the schools didn't expect parents to be outraged the way they were and if you look 
at school board meetings from late spring to middle to late summer, you will find countless videos, providing they haven't been taken down, of parents raising cane at these school board meetings, accusing the school boards of the indoctrinalization that I just mentioned. And these folks were pissed. And they had every right to be. But I'll tell you one of the stories that got me angry. And in ways that I seldom rise to. This story was about a nine-year-old who got suspended from school while on Zoom. Because in the background he had an air rifle. I want you to hear that again. Suspended because an air rifle was in his own room. That is basically the school, actually not basically, that is the school going into the boy's home and saying, you are not allowed to have a gun at all. This is a violation on another level. The school had no dang right to do this. And if this had happened to any kid I know, but if this had happened to say if I had kids and this had happened to one of them, not only would I have pulled my kid out, but I would have raised so much cane at that teacher and school board, they would have wished their ears could hibernate. If the kid had brought the gun into school, that's warranted for suspension because of school rules and of the unfortunate tragedies of school shootings that would raise alarms. I'm not discounting that. But he was in the safety of his own home, people. And the school went in and said, no, you're not allowed to have that, so you're suspended for six days. And you know what the parents did? They sued the school board. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. They sued the school board for $50,000. <sighs> Man, I'm telling you, it... It makes my blood boil when I hear that type of stuff. And this, unfortunately, is not just a single occurrence. This has happened multiple times. You just got to look it up. Just type in, kids suspended from school for gun on Zoom meeting. When a kid is at home, the school board has no right to say yay or nay. Unless it's the abuse of a child. Then they can call the police. But when it's a gun that is a air rifle or a BB gun or a toy gun with the orange tip, that school board is overreaching their limits, not only to suspend the kid, but to call the police and to go to that kid's house. Because more than likely, that kid is by himself at home. So... A cop car pulls up with lights on and knocks on the door. The kid's terrified because the cops are at his house with no reason whatsoever. He's trying to reach his parents. I'm not saying this happened, but I'm just saying in a general nutshell, this is a violation of people's everyday rights. So to force these kids to abide by in-school policies when he's at home on his own computer, H-E double hockey sticks to the no. Not too hard to figure out what that said. We all learned a hard lesson over the past year and a half. 
and in many ways we failed. We gave in to fear and let the power-hungry government, who have for years dreamed of ways of getting us to give up our everyday freedoms, take over. We were all in favor of closing down for two weeks to slow the spread. Because we naturally we're thinking, hey, I get two weeks off, then I go back to work. But two weeks off? Sure, I'll stay home. But they had no intention of it ending after two weeks. They accomplished more than we thought possible. They divided this country in ways we have not seen in over a century. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not blaming those politicians we see in the news every day. I'm blaming more the swamp creatures who have been in control of just about everything for decades. They're the ones who make bills that House and Senate pass 800 to 1,500 pages long and give sitting legislatures mere hours to vote on something that will affect millions of people. This is on both sides of the aisle. But sadly, it happens more often when the Democrats are in charge of things and want their agenda passed no matter what. And since COVID, they have succeeded more than ever before. And now that their lips have tasted it, they want more power. They will not rest till they have accomplished their ultimate victory in controlling the United States in a dictatorial manner. Mark my words. If we do not stand up to these bullies, we will lose the very fundamentals this nation was founded on. Now, I'm not saying open rebellion yet. I am merely saying it's time to stop cowering in fear and hold your ground. Just like in the movie Return of the King, when Aragorn encourages his small army as they stand before the black gates of Mordor. Here's that scene for reference. I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West! Now, moving on to the next topic. We as a generation who are now at an age of getting married and starting families have failed. Now, you might be asking yourself right now, what? Where have I failed? Besides that one thing that happened back when I was... It doesn't matter about that. Okay, I just about on that last bit. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I listen to a lot of old shows where someone starts explaining something and then they before they get that far, they just say, it doesn't matter about that. But why I say we have failed is because it is our responsibility to be instructing the next generations. These terms such as Gen X, Millennials, Gen Z, and now Gen A are so confusing it makes your head swim. I mean, think about it. 
How, how does your head swim? All right, all right, I'll stop. <laughs> but in the past two years, we have seen a new social media platform crowned king of the cesspool. The app known as Tiki Taki. Er, I mean, Taki Tiki. Yeah, all right, fine. <sighs> TikTok. Ugh. With over two and a half billion downloads across the globe and 200 million in the U.S. alone, it has become the most popular form of social media to date. It really came to prevalence in 2019, and when COVID shut everything down, it soared to new heights. Or lows, depending on how you look at it. But TikTok is 99.5% fake. All you got to do is watch a few minutes of it to realize that almost all of the content has people mouthing to previous audio recordings. From movie quotes to other social media users, they're just repeating themselves. There is a small contingent of users, however, who are creative, and they should be applauded as such. They are using their God-given gifts to help lift people's spirits and bring enjoyment to others. And these are the ones, like I said, who should be applauded. But unfortunately, there are just as many on this social media site who are so brainwashed right now, they think it's their job to brainwash others into thinking they are right. Now, I follow the Daily Wire pretty closely. That is the conservative news organization run by Ben Shapiro and his partner Jeremy Borland. And they're great. Now, I do want to say... I don't agree with everything they say. That's a very key point because I know some people will be saying, oh, he's just repeating what uh, Ben Shapiro says. No, I'm not. I, I disagree with Ben quite a bit sometimes. But most of the time, I do agree with them. And lately, they've been doing these gender dysphoria reactions where they watch a video of someone saying they are no longer male or no longer female, or they use these pronouns or those pronouns. I'm telling you, I, I, I don't know how these people come up with some of the stuff they talk about, honestly. And that right there, folks, is where I'm saying we failed miserably. Because in the last few years, we've grown soft. We can no longer say, no, you're wrong, and your views have been debunked. Now, everyone can say whatever the heck they want to identify as whatever and use made-up pronouns that are not even words. This is not good. Now, there will be saying, well, you're being transphobic. Well, I guess I am. But you know why? Because just like I said in my last Current Events podcast, there are only two genders. And now to state it further, there are only three kinds of pronouns when it comes to people. He, him for men, she, her for women, and they, them when it comes to a group of both sexes. This non-binary nonsense is just stupid. And I can't even begin to wrap my head around all the boneheaded nonsense people are demanding we agree to. I, 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 it literally makes you just like, am I living in a real world right now? They're saying that we have to agree or else we are canceled. Now, I want to make this next point very clear. I'm not saying cancel anyone. 
who has been deluded into thinking they are a different gender or non-gender or whatever. But I am saying it's our responsibility to say enough is enough. Now you're going to sit down and listen to what I got to say. Or the old coin of phrase, sit down and shut up. (laughs) That's actually a very popular line in screenwriters for Hollywood because they use it in everything. We need to teach them. We need to tell them they are wrong. But not just say that. Share with them how they're wrong. Tell them they got more years in front of them than behind. And since we are older, we have more experience. And so while they might be confused about some things now, it's bound to make more sense as they get older. And if they're allowed to make decisions when they are still so young, they will regret those decisions in just a couple of years. That's on us. That's on us for not saying, no, you are wrong. Now, this next part might be a little bit tricky. But this is my belief. Go to the Bible. I only say tricky because I don't know your spiritual beliefs and you may not believe. It's a free country and you're welcome to believe anything you want to. Doesn't mean you're right. And you can say the same about me. But Psalm 139, 13 through 14, this is the NIV, says this. This is actually King David writing. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God designed us before we were even born. Some of you may recognize that a lot of those who stand up for life use this verse also. But it is so true on many different levels. So I say again, we have a responsibility to guide others to seeing the facts of life. God's evidence is all around you. And his greatest creation is you. The devil Satan has twisted that creation in so many horrifying and evil ways. Because he doesn't want you to reach eternity. He wants you to be separated from Jesus forever. God will not force you to do anything against your will. He wants you to come to him voluntarily. Confess our sins and become one with him again in the spirit. But as long as we put our agenda first... That cannot be possible. We worship self all too often. It's time we put that self to death and live the lives God intended for us. I know that so many kids these days are saying, no, I'm not a boy or I'm not a girl anymore. And that's that's just heartbreaking. And that's why I say it's up to us. To talk to them. Get them off social media. I can't stress that enough. Do not let your kids on social media. Because. And you can say, well, I've got filters on. They, they Trust me on this, folks. They find ways to get around those filters. On purpose. They're the ones who created the filters. So naturally, they're going to be like, oh, wait, we can still slip this one in. It'll just, it's just got a smidgen of it, but that'll be enough. So I say again, 
Take your kids off social media. I don't care if they throw a hissy fit. You shouldn't care either. I mean, it's nothing new, I don't think, for all the years of kids have been kids. Think about when you threw a hissy fit and your parents still said no. Oh, you hated that. But looking back, you're like, doggone it, you were right. That's now us. That's now you, and that will soon be me, I hope, God willing. All I'm saying, folks, get your kids to read some books. Get your kids playing outside. Get them some action figures. Play that way. Have them stop looking at a screen for 90% of their day. It's brainwashing them and turning their heads to mush. You may say I'm an idiot, but this is just my opinion. You're welcome to have your opinion, and you're welcome to disagree with me. I'm not going to force you. I'm just saying try some alternative uses. Don't let your kids become brain-dead animals. Because that's what they want. That's what the government wants. Social media is being run by big tech. And big tech is right in with the government right now. We're in dark times right now, folks. That's all I really got to say on that matter. So, with all that being said, let's keep moving on. Moving on, yes. To the disastrous, tyrannical reign of former Vice President Sleepy Joe Plugs Biden. I can hear already some of you saying, You can't call him that! You can't say his presidency is tyrannical! Trump was the tyrannical one! You can't say that about Biden! Folks, that's just proving my point. (laughs) Now, I want to start this little segment out with a heads up. While discussing plugs, Kami Harris, and the revered Dr. Fauci, I'll be slipping the acronyms Rush used for them whenever I say their names. I, in fact, just did it. Just now. <laughs> Who knows? I might even slip into some of my Rush impression while talking about it also. Oh, this is going to be good. And as Samuel L. Jackson said in Jurassic Park, Hold on to your butts. Plugs has been a disaster since he took office, folks. There's no other way to say it. People who were so ecstatic that Trump was leaving didn't care about anything else. Big bad orange man was gone and we were going to have civility and prosperity again because instead of warmongering blowhard in office, we got a moderate who will bring everyone together. I heard that. Good one. <laughs> Well, now, let's just take a look at what has transpired since Sleepy Joe sleepwalked into the White House and sent our country into a tailspin headed straight for hell. Oh, that's a good one. I to win the way we go. Since Plugs has taken office, he has accomplished many things. Before we look at the disaster events that have taken place under his administration, let's first acknowledge his successes. He hasn't accomplished a single positive thing for this country since he has stepped into the Oval Office, folks. Not one bloody thing. 
Remember how on the campaign trail that he led from his basement? He said he would end COVID without shutting down the economy or the country. Well, he has done the total opposite. Don't believe that's what he said? Well, here's an audio clip of Plugs saying exactly that. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. Day one. Day one of his so-called presidency. He began the renewal shutdown of our economy by canceling the Keystone Pipeline. And thus, 11,000 plus workers became unemployed. And since then, it's just gotten worse. He claimed that when he came into office, we only had 4 million citizens vaccinated against COVID-19 and had no distribution plan. And that was the fault of President Trump. He does realize that the vaccine only became available December 11th, 2020. That is just over a month from that time to the time he was sworn in. Naturally, we aren't going to have a huge amount of vaccine distributions by that time. This never fails, folks. I'm telling you, this is the number one rule in the Democrat playbook. Blame your predecessor for everything unless it starts to look good. If that happens, then you take credit for it. But if it turns bad again, it is the former administration's fault. Obama did this with Bush for years. Even into his second term, Obama still blamed Bush for his failures and ineptitudes. It is like I said. It is their number one rule. Now, moving on to the border. Late last year, migrant caravans began marching towards the southern border of the United States. Because if Biden were to win, they knew they could get into the country much easier and disappear. He had promised as much, or promised that prosecution wasn't going to take place. Why? Because another old play from the Democratic playbook is to bring in as many illegals as it takes to rig an election as possible. This is what they want the most. They want to make sure that once they win an election, they never have to worry about losing it ever again. That's why they are so opposed to showing ID verification when going to cast your vote. They say it's racist to demand that. If that's racist, then why do we require you to show your ID for buying cigarettes and alcohol? Why is it required to go into certain businesses or for gambling? It's not racist. But they use their puppets in the media to spew it out day after day till the people believe it wholeheartedly. Then they win without a fight. And yet, those same people are now demanding vaccine passports for everyone to get into anything in some cities. Like New York. Like Los Angeles. But ID requirements are still racist for voting? Huh? Speaking of the border, do you remember how it got to be so bad just two months in that Biden announced VP Harris would take over handling the border and was dubbed the border czar? Yeah, that's been nothing short of disastrous. Since being appointed to that position in March, she's never visited the border. Not once. Now, some of you are probably saying, That's not true! She went down there in June. I watched the news. I watched Fox News. And even they said she went down. So what are you saying? I'm sticking to it, folks. She hasn't been to the border crisis zone. Visiting El Paso and remaining in the town, not even going to the border there, 
let alone McAllen, Texas, which is 800 miles away and where the border crisis is predominantly, she's not visited. It's plain and simple. So instead, she visits Guatemala and is greeted there by Trump one signs, which is fantastic, (laughs) and achieved nothing at all while she was down there. When impressed about visiting the border by even her friends in the media, she replied with the following. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. And I haven't been to Europe. And I mean, I I don't understand the point that you're making. Huh? Oh, her voice just grates on the ears. Remember how everyone was cheering the fact that we not only had the first female VP in our nation's history, but also the first woman of color as VP? Look, I don't give a crap about what they look like or if they are man or woman. As long as you agree with my views, I'll support you. Same goes for presidents. But she has done nothing. She is horrible at everything. She probably resents being named VP now because she can't carry on with her own agenda in the Senate. Unless Biden keels over, but even then, she won't have any support because nobody likes her. All the celebrities who were cheering her on, how proud they were for that moment. I wonder if they're still proud. When the Afghanistan crisis happened, she got sent off to Vietnam on a tour of Southeast Asia. Are you kidding me? In the midst of one of the biggest disasters in our nation's history, she gets sent off to South Asia? That makes no sense no matter what party you affiliate with, unless you're despised by the president. And from all accounts I've heard, this appears to be the case. Now we come to probably the worst foreign affairs disaster we've had that dealt directly with the U.S. since the embassy attack and the death of four Americans in Benghazi, Libya in 2012. Yep, under Obama, a do-nothing Democrat except destroy the country. My opinion only, but one that I believe that is shared by millions. The disaster of the Afghanistan withdrawal. This all began months ago, folks. On April 14th, to be exact, Biden announced that all U.S. troops would be withdrawn from Afghanistan by August 31st, so as to make the 20th anniversary of 9-11 his heyday, a day that he thought he could look back on with pride, if he knows which direction back is. But within those last few sentences, you heard the first big blunder plugs made in this debacle. But we'll go back to that momentarily. The second thing he goofed on was saying that the Afghani government would be able to withstand the surge of the Taliban, a terrorist-run organization that wants to keep women from achieving anything in the world, even getting a tan, and they're in the desert. The third thing he did, and this was so stupid of a blunder, it truly boggles the mind, He was so determined to get our troops out of the country that he decided to abandon Bagram Air Base in the middle of the night. All the American troops were ordered to leave without saying a word. They weren't even allowed to leave a note saying, we're gone, sorry. I mean, that is just so stupid. Our translators were caught off guard. The Afghani troops that we have been training... We're like, where'd you guys go? 
They were just gone. And when we abandoned Bagram, we left close to a billion dollars in armaments there. The price is still being calculated from what I can gather. So it might fluctuate slightly, but that's the rough outline. A billion dollars. 20 years we spent there. And what did we achieve? Nothing. Barely anything in Afghanistan. This is exactly what happened to the Russians back in, I think, the 80s. They tried invading Afghanistan and it failed miserably for them. Because Afghanistan's a lot of desert, but it's also a lot of mountains. And the people who live in the mountains know that terrain like you know the back of your hand. So, according to the New York Post, when we left on 831, quote, The Taliban has seized U.S. weapons left in Afghanistan worth billions, possibly including 600,000 assault rifles, some 2,000 armored vehicles, and 40 aircraft, including Blackhawks, according to the reports, end quote. This is only the beginning, because as outrageous as that was, the entire Afghani army collapsed in front of the Taliban within days after the U.S. left Bagram. The president of Afghanistan fled with millions in cash, leaving his people to fend for themselves. Americans and green card holders were left with nothing. They, they were like, uh, what do we do? So they fled to the only place that Americans had not yet abandoned, Kabul airport. Thousands stormed the gates trying to escape the clutches of the Taliban, who were fast approaching. I mean, like, record speed approaching Kabul. It got so bad that people even climbed into the wheel wells of some of the planes where after the plane had taken off, they tragically fell to their deaths due to the elements of air pressure. People were stacked on top of each other, pleading for their lives. And by August 17th, the Taliban had not only defeated the nearly 200,000-man Afghani army with barely firing a shot and less than half of their strength, possibly a quarter of their strength, they had also seized the city of Kabul itself, leaving just the airport under U.S. control. Talk about military ignorance from the brass on another level. The troops that were on the ground were doing all that they could and then some. But that wasn't much. It got so bad, and this is almost comical, but it, it turned out to be such a tragedy. But Biden ended up sending an additional thousand troops to aid the 2,500 troops already there. But then, August 26th, the worst thing that could happen, happened. While some of our troops were in the crowds, many of them who were trying to just help by giving water or hold a sick child for a few moments, that's all they were doing. They were just helping the population try to get into the airport. Two evil-minded individuals weaved into the crowd. They were members of another terrorist organization known as ISIS-K. Once they found a spot where several Americans were, they detonated their bomb-laden vests, killing themselves and over 183 around them, including 13 American servicemen who were only days away from going home. Over 150 others were wounded. The American deaths sparked outrage the world hasn't seen since 9-11 and this is on both sides people were filming just 
going to random people saying, what do you think of the Afghanistan debacle? What do you think of the 13 U.S. troops who were murdered? And every single one of them did not have one positive thing to say about Biden. Not one positive thing to say about Kami. Not one positive thing to say about any of the top generals who let this happen by not standing up and saying no. We're going to actually do it the way we were trained. We're going to get the job done. We're going to get everybody out without losing a man. But they couldn't do that because they all think they're politicians. When the generals need a general and the politicians need to keep their big mouths shut on both sides. Generals need to run the army and win victories. All they got to do is look at the examples of General George Patton and General Dwight D. Eisenhower during World War II. These guys faced odds the world hadn't seen before. And they achieved victory time after time after time and did it in just amazing records. Yes, there were casualties when they were fighting, but they were actually fighting. They were on the offensive the generals we have now, they're all on the defensive. Even when being grilled by Senate and judicial hearings, they're all like, oh, no, no, I, I, I was doing this. I, I was doing everything. I was doing the right thing. It, it's this guy's fault. They need a man up and say, yep, we goofed. We goofed bad. The deaths of those Americans are on us. Biden needs to say that also. Plugs needs to admit that those American deaths did not need to happen. This is 100% on him as well. I don't blame Kami Harris as much as I blame Biden for this. Because, like I said, she got sent off to Southeast Asia. So she really was not in the mix on this. So she doesn't get blamed, in my opinion, for Afghanistan. But it doesn't matter. This did not need to happen the way it did. People actually were saying, I regret voting for Biden because of Afghanistan, because of 13 U.S. servicemen who were murdered mere days away from being able to go home to their loved ones. I'm going to read to you the names of the fallen as Taps plays in the background. For the Marine Corps. The deceased are Sergeant Ioanni Rosario Pichardo, 25, Sergeant Nicole L. G., 23, Staff Sergeant Darren T. Hoover, 31, Corporal Hunter Lopez, 22, Corporal Dagan W. Page, 23, Corporal Humberto A. Sanchez, 22, Lance Corporal David L. Espinoza, 20, Lance Corporal Jared M. Schmitz, 20. Lance Corporal Riley J. McCollum, 20. Lance Corporal Dylan R. Marola, 20. Lance Corporal Kareem M. Nakui, 20. For the Navy, the deceased is Navy Corpsman Maxton W. Sobiak, 22. For the Army, the deceased is Staff Sergeant Ryan C. Nass, 23. Rest easy, soldiers. We'll take it from here. Now, as I was saying, Biden gaffed so hard 
on Afghanistan is on another level how bad he did. But it's not unexpected. Now, when I say that, I mean it. This man has been in government most of his adult life. He's 79 years old right now. He started back when he was 29. I'm 28. He started a year later than what I am right now. He's been in this for so long and he's not achieved a single thing except nonsense and disaster. He has gained notoriety for being one of the biggest idiots in Congress and it got to be so bad that whenever he said anything, it was like, oh, it's just Crazy Joe saying something dumb. David Letterman, a known Democrat supporting late night host, former late night host, even joked about him. Every single late night host was joking about him, even back to Johnny Carson, the king of late night. He was joking about Joe Biden. And the best joke I heard David Letterman ever say was, you know why Obama guaranteed himself never to be assassinated? Two words, President Biden. His entire audience erupted in laughter. I wish I could find the audio to play that for you, but it appears to be lost in the cacophony known as the World Wide Web. But going back to the Afghani debacle, so not only did Biden's hastiness cost the lives of 13 servicemen, of which only one was old enough to remember 9-11 happening, only one, folks, that makes me furious on another level with his administration. But by the time we did officially pull out of Kabul militarily, hundreds, if not up to a couple of thousand Americans and green card holders were left behind. People who were guaranteed that they would be rescued were left behind. Proving the point that the administration lied yet again. But they deflected as usual. They twisted the narrative into this Bolshevik. Uh, I would say that this is now on track, Peter, to be the largest airlift in U.S. history. Uh, so, and that is a, a bringing American citizens out. It is bringing our Afghan partners out. It is bringing allies out. Uh, so no, I would not say that is anything but a success. What do you say to the American citizen in Kabul that uh, Fox spoke to this morning? She's going by uh, Fatima. She says, we are stranded at home. Well, why don't I convey to you exactly what we are doing? And I think what's important to note that I also said yesterday in the full context of my answer, which I put out today, uh, was that uh, we are committed to bringing Americans home who want to leave, and that is the president's commitment. That's right, folks. You heard it from none other than Circleback Sucker. Remember how at the beginning of the administration, she would keep on saying to avoid answering questions directly, we're going to circle back? Yeah. She's a hapless stooge. I don't know why they turned it into whoever wants to come home can come home. It's not about who wants or doesn't want. As a member of this administration, it's her job to say, we're not leaving anyone behind, no matter how long it takes. But they didn't. And now they have a crisis of stranded Americans left under a tyrannical group whose minds are still stuck in a mindset of hundreds of years ago. Under the Taliban, women are less than second-class citizens. 
instead of being able to pursue an education, get a job, or let alone walk down the street breathing the free air, they now have none of that. No ability to go to school. The only way they get to walk anywhere is with a man, and they must be covered head to toe. They are forced to quit their jobs or are tortured. Yeah, that's something the media isn't telling you, is it? You know, they murdered a pregnant police officer right in front of her family, and it was done quite brutally. For the sake of young ears who might be listening, I will not go into details. Now, the Taliban denies any involvement, but I don't believe it. Even if it wasn't ordered by the leaders, I have very little doubt that they were involved somehow. Then you have other women who organized a protest march that was shut down by the Taliban, and some of the participants were beaten as a result. But hey, they'll still include women in their government. A likely story. The response from the Biden administration on these atrocities? Not a peep has been said. And now the story has more or less shifted away from Afghanistan. It's barely even talked about in the news anymore. Have you noticed? Even from the media on the right, like Fox News and Newsmax, it's barely even talked about. And this is simply not good. They need to keep the news pouring in. They need to keep pummeling Afghanistan and talking about Biden's disastrous handling of it every single day. Forget about COVID. COVID is more or less petering out. Maybe. I don't know. But I'm just saying, people have moved on from COVID. But if we let this slip too far from people's minds, then the left-wing media will have been successful yet again. And if they keep singing Biden's praises, which is getting harder and harder even for them, or if they keep criticizing Trump for Biden's flaws, well, this is what I'd say to them. You know, circling back to Circleback Sucker, I have a better nickname for her than Circleback. I call her Hammer and Sickle Sucky. Because, and I kid you not, all you gotta do is look it up. Because last year, a picture emerged of her shortly after being named Biden's Choice for Press Secretary, a Soviet Union hat. That's what she was wearing. The one with the hammer and sickle emblem on it. You know how many people died under that symbol? Upwards of 20 million innocent people. Many were also killed trying to escape by climbing over the Berlin Wall. And this is what is represented by the hammer and sickle logo. And she has never renounced the decision to wear it. So that's why I call her Hammer and Sickle Sucker. And now we come to the finale of this Current Events Podcast where we talk about the never-ending flip-flop narrative of one Dr. Fauci. I'm really not going to cover a whole lot about Fauci. He's another one whose voice just grates on my ears. The man is the highest-paid bureaucrat in the country right now, and he's nothing but a liar. I had never even heard of him till the start of the pandemic. And I'm amazed at all the misinformation he has spewed from his octogenarian lips that has been sucked in by the American people and the world, frankly. The man is a liar, pure and simple. 
He has cast a shadow of fear over everyone through the handling of this pandemic. Do you remember? People were scared to leave their houses, walk their pets, or even eat outside. If they did, they would be screamed at by people who hid behind closed doors or masks or threatened to call the police on them or perhaps spray mace in their faces. This happened, folks. You remember. I know you remember. And it shook people's faith in humanity. And while Fauci can't control people's actions, he spurred it on every time he opened his mouth and contradicted everything he himself had said. I still see fear in people. Now, currently, they can't scare people about the idea of catching COVID. I mean, I truly believe it's inevitable that almost everyone, unless they have so many antibodies or such a strong immune system that they cannot get it, is going to get it eventually. It's going to become like the common cold or the flu. That's what it's going to become like. But now they're trying to scare people with the vaccine. A vaccine that would not have been available this quickly if it weren't for Operation Warp Speed, which was started and completed by President Donald Trump. But you know one of the ironic things about Trump and the vaccine? Most of those who refuse to get it are his supporters, and those who are all for it are those who wanted him gone. It makes you turn your head and say, Say what? The Biden administration is an administration of tyranny right now. The fact that Plugs is saying, get the vaccine or else lose your jobs, are words from a dictator. Don't doubt me on this, folks. Please don't take my word on any of these stories I've covered, though, today. Research for yourself. If I was mistaken on one of my facts, please let me know. I welcome having a civil and polite conversation anytime. Anytime. But don't doubt me. Everything I have told you, I have researched and have fully believed to be accurate. I may have had one or two technicalities a little bit different, but the main source of what I've talked about today is accurate. You just got to look it up. Do not believe CNN. Do not believe MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, because they are all liars. They are the left-wing media. Same with like NPR. Find independent news sources. In fact, go to some news sources that are not even American. Go to like the BBC, which can be still left-wing, or the Daily Mail, or Sky News Australia. Research outside sources. And I would encourage you to check out some of the more conservative sites, but... Like I said, I want you to be impartial and do your own research. Lastly, I say this. I don't want to scare any of you. I really, truly don't. I merely want to share the facts with you. And you can ask anyone I know about me on this. But from day one of this pandemic, day one, I've been saying, don't be afraid. Put your faith in God and cast all your cares upon him. Remember that you are his child, and he created you for times such as these. The song No Longer Slaves has been going through my mind a lot lately, especially the chorus. Please let these words minister to you, if you're afraid. And also remember Psalms 56, 3-4. 
When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Here's the chorus from No Longer Slaves. For this episode of the Snowman Podcast, I hope you enjoy listening to it as best as anyone can enjoy these turbulent times, and I hope you learn some stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Also, please share with your family and friends. You can find me on iTunes and Spotify, and very soon, YouTube. All you gotta do is type in the Snowman Podcast and look for an American flag with a snowman in the foreground. Till next time. This is Snowman, and I'll see you now here. This clip is just too good not to share. I'll let one of the maestros of comedy, Mr. Bob Hope, share this one. You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there are certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. How horrible. It's worse than horrible, because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes, walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? Talk about burn!